audio conversation with Jake Kotze, recorded November 26th, 2010. To better understand what you're about to get into, there's uh, a few videos uh, linked on the on the uh, show notes, and I encourage folks to to watch those. They're they're really delightful. They're weirdly insightful in a way that that it's, I find it hard to explain. And I got to say, I really dig this guy Jake's mindset, his his uh, point of view. As silly as it seems, with this trite pop culture stuff, uh, he manages to enfold a pretty deep and beautiful philosophical outlook. A lot of our conversation is spent dealing directly with synchronicities and how they uh, intersect with our lives. Uh, I think this is less a fascination for both of us and more, I don't want to, almost like a a spiritual path for both of us. Uh, We're coming at it from different directions, and I think uh, the interplay between us as we try to articulate what we suspect is going on and our conclusions as well as our our ponderings to me i mean to me personally is really important stuff i had a very enjoyable time talking with jake so i hope you get something out of it jake this is mike cleland hi (laughs) can you hear me yes hey jake i want to thank you so much for saying yes to this interview and i also want to say that this is one of the interviews that i have been genuinely excited about and i have um been following you for a while. I don't know. I just have a strong connection to the to your to your take on things. So this is this is really exciting for me. So thanks for saying yes. Oh, it's a pleasure. Uh, and it was interesting because um, like I haven't been asked for interviews for quite a while, and then I got two in one day, and that's sort of why I just said yes to both because I was like, oh, okay, that's <laughs> kind of a sink right there. Hey, you um coined a term, synchromysticism which is yes. great. I, I just think that's, that is such a, a descriptive and uh, sort of playful term. And I, just, yes. I would love to just, if you could just tell us a little bit about how you came to that term and, and what, how you would define that term. Well, it was a couple of years ago when I was starting to write about, uh, well, I'd been blogging for a couple of months already, but more and more veering away from just primarily conspiracy-type stuff and 9-11-type stuff and getting interested in just the synchronicities in media and pop culture and stuff. And I just was trying to explain, I just wanted a word, something to uh, kind of define, to define this way of looking at things, just to separate it from regular synchronicity and coincidence. I just wanted a new word. It just seemed like there need, I needed a way to explain that there's something mystical happening and it's it's about synchronicity and I wanted to get away from the coincidence aspect and I don't know I was just at work I was working at a, a paper making place like a, a place that makes handmade paper and the word just popped into my head and I was like okay well that'll work that'll work and I've been hot and cold on that word because uh, just how I think people interpret what mysticism means uh, has sometimes made me think it's kind of giving people the wrong impression. but And then other times I'm like, no, but I, I can have my own interpretation of what mysticism is, and I do. And uh, then the word works for me. But I feel like, you know, when some people hear the word mysticism, they immediately shut down. When I think this, you know, you could very well think of this as a science, but then again, you know, also how we interpret science 
varies from person to person. So, but now I feel more comfortable with the term synchromysticism again. So I'm, I'm hot and cold all the time with, with the word, but, uh, yeah, right now I'm into it. <laughs> so is it a creative process or is it a spiritual process? Like looking into this? Well, for me, it's definitely both. I, I think creativity comes from spirit, you know, or I would even think science comes from spirit, you know, like to me, there's no real difference between, there's only one force to me, like, and uh, science and mysticism and religion and everything is just ways of differentiating the force into different uh, categories. But I only, and, and I think what some people mean by mysticism and by science is the same thing, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it is all about how one interprets things. And you've been doing uh, short little videos, uh, mostly p for easy posting on YouTube. They all seem to be about 10 minutes long. Yeah. And well, you know, the, the, the videos I wrote for maybe a year or so, and then I got the idea to make the videos. And at the beginning, they were all very basic, just sort of like slide presentations almost with just me talking like really bad sound quality and me just talking and uh but i just had this impression like i i just had the idea that more people would latch on to it if i made videos because it would be easier than reading a bunch of stuff it'd just be like 10 minutes and you'd uh you'd get the idea by just listening and then it kind of grew into more elaborate productions and stuff like that and now i collaborate with another filmmaker here who actually edits them together and right, but, there, uh, right here I'm in not, Canada? Right here in Winnipeg, there's a, a local filmmaker who, through watching some of the videos online, realized we're in the same city and then contacted me and then uh, we started kind of collaborating. So the newer videos have been with, with Jim Saunders, uh, local uh, direct, director of documentaries. But there's kind of been phases. Like I, I, I made the videos for, for for maybe a couple of months. I just made like... 10 or 15 videos like I just pushed them out like I stopped writing entirely and just made video after video after video and started putting uh, video like they were in the beginning they were just almost like slides and like a few clips of motion so in these videos it seems like you're tapping into something that I um I really relate to I, I really get into it and I really think it's it's uh I want to avoid to use the term entertaining though they are uh you know, you're not shying away from trying to tap into something genuinely deep and insightful. Uh, just a few years ago, there was no such thing as the Internet, really. And, and what you're doing strikes me as like an entirely new form of journalism. I mean, obviously, there's been newsreels and films being made since, you know, the first uh, projector projected the first bit of film. But... What's happening now, it seems I'm very impressed that a single person, you know, you don't really need a big team. You're obviously, I don't think you necessarily even need complicated uh, computer effect. Oh, no. You're yeah. just taking existing media and rearranging it, really. And, um, and what's emerging? Well, you, well, for me, you know, people, it's amazing to me how people can look at the videos and get a different, you know inside out of them but for me it's always been about and the videos are actually a part of a process of coming to a full sort of knowing of of of, of this but for me it was about noticing that there's a connection between everything and that there's 
a mind that's not that's beyond the individual person who's making the media or the historical event or whatever it is because there's an intimate connection between everything and by putting the videos together I, f I felt like it was highlighting that there's a pattern beyond the individual intent of the artist who had made the media or the event that I was referencing correlating to the media that made it clear that there's a, there's this mind that that is organizing things beyond the intention of the individuals at play and I felt like the videos were unveiling this like showing that there's this non-local mind everywhere and uh, with I feel like with movies we can now see this very clearly and unveil it like and I think one of the things that you're mentioning is sort of how it wasn't possible until more recently when we had the internet and uh, the technology to sort of make these cut-ups from from this media we all share and then notice that these intimate connections are are present in all this media and I feel like I didn't you know I never sat out to make the videos I didn't have like the idea that I would make that they would turn out the way they did it kind of happened naturally like trying to express this what I feel synchronicity is and what I'm seeing little by little by making the videos, you know, I kind of realized that there was, it's kind of like the form was inside of the marble, like that process of chipping away. Like I didn't set out with an idea of what the videos were going to be. They just sort of took shape by starting the process. So I feel like part of it was, uh, you know, it was an organic process. And the process is, is really impressive. It's it's um are you familiar with William Henry? Yes. Yeah, so William Henry, I've seen him give presentations. Uh he does PowerPoint and he's an excellent speaker and he shows uh image after image after image and he makes these connections to the halo around a, a painting of Christ followed up with yes. the CERN Hadron Collider in, in Switzerland, followed up with an ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs, followed up, uh, you know, literally, the, you know, Spielberg's movie E.T. And, um, right. and, you know, he's making these connections and they happen so fast. And in a way, I, I'm in a position where I can't. I can't play fact checker, you know, I can't really say like, well, wait a minute, you know, let's, let's really look into the history of that painting of Jesus. Uh, you know, it just, it just flows on past. There's a logical part of my mind that constantly wants to dig deep, you know, and just say like, okay, I'm going to play detective and figure this out. And that doesn't really work. Uh, and there's an illogical part of my mind or, or like a more, uh, like a higher self almost, where I can just let this stuff wash over me or wash through me. And then I can reap the benefit in a way where I where I almost gain a higher insight, almost like dealing with mythology rather than dealing with a, with a simple PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, yeah. And I find I, your I, movies do the same thing. Yeah, I well, I I feel like definitely when I'm making them, I feel like there's something happening that's mysterious. <laughs> I'm I'm seeing a a picture emerging that you know i didn't know was there and that i and that people didn't i don't think that people are expecting it's just you're you're getting taken out of it sounds kind of weird but i think you're getting taken out of your mind you know to a to a meta mind to a bigger mind and i feel like you know 
it's I remember watching William Henry's presentations as well many years ago, and you know they would just sort of suggest something embedded in art and something embedded in uh, the occult world and in the familiar world as well that is you know bigger than uh, what is immediately visible and I feel like it's that, that feeling of being taken out of your you know regular everyday context that just fills you with uh, awe and that is kind of I feel like the the idea of what the sync videos are doing they're like showing you that you're connected and that your immediate experience of sitting there is one of the doors and one of the tools that's necessary for this process to be happening so it's really involving the the viewer you're, you know your your key to that thing happening for me it's like about the synchronicities wouldn't be working if you weren't the consciousness sitting there watching this video right now so it's like your your very consciousness is one of the keys to making this process work. So it's literally saying, here's something I made, but for it to work, you have to be sitting there and you have to become aware of the process of you seeing the connections that I'm making is unlocking that door to that state that I was in when I was making it or part of it and even maybe bigger than that. Maybe the video can take you even further. But part of that was is, is, part, is part of the thinking. And I think a lot of art, you know, aspires to that kind of thing to take you out of your regular state. So, I mean, this is, this is, you're not, you're obviously not, um, you are not talking about, um, you know, lofty images from the Louvre or, or um, things taken from crusty old books in the Vatican library. The imagery you're taking is uh, from present day pop culture. And some of the, the pop culture imagery is, I almost want to say decidedly bland in a way. You know, yeah, often it's very lowbrow and, uh, you know, very common denominator, very, you know, mainstream media. I find it's almost to me like there's a, a payoff for looking into those areas and bringing that kind of awareness where you're like, well, I'm treating this as something as potentially mysterious as something in the Louvre or something in, on an Egyptian mural or something. You're just going, okay, well, I will analyze this in the same way and regard it as a potential symbolic thing on, on the equivalent of whatever, mis- mysterious pers- thing or religious iconography you could have. And then if you actually look at it with that, that, that mindset, you will notice that it is just as strong and powerful. And for me, almost because you are acknowledging that in this medium that is ignored with that kind of awareness, it actually will become so bright that it's beautiful. I feel like it's, it's like rare to see that mystery in the mundane that you're actually rewarded with a lot of beauty when you do see the, the, the mystery in that, that area. And so kind of like it shines even brighter because it's, it's like a, I don't know, like a flower that, is wilting and then you give it water and attention and you're like, okay, this is, there's actually a lot of beauty here. And then that's how I feel about pop culture is that if you actually bring awareness to it, it actually shines really brightly. And you notice that all the occult principles and mystical realities that you could study in a, you know, textbook on magic or the tarot or whatever, 
is very loudly embedded in pop culture and is actually it seems the the source of pop culture and of you know the religious texts is all the same stuff you know they're all talking about the same stories and narratives it seems that um there would have been a chapter in human history where we would have all instead of living in uh, the suburbs with computers and televisions, we would have been living in little communities and tribes out in the wilderness and, and walking along a path, you would have been um, immersed in the imagery of uh, wildlife and birds and flowers and the shaman in your village would be able to interpret those birds and flowers and the seasons in a way that would be mystical, yeah. in a way that would be perfectly profound. And I think that we romanticize that and we recognize that and uh, but at the same time we don't collectively on the planet we don't live in that world anymore instead we live in a world surrounded by billboards and advertisements and television shows and and magazine ads and those same magical elements are emerging right and i feel like uh i feel that it's almost a trick has been played on us we've we've thought that the mainstream and the consensus world was this uh, dull, dead thing, but it's actually, it was the universe's way of sneaking, a f- pulling a fast one on us, like surrounding us with all the magic that's necessary to awaken real fast. And if we learn to look, you know, with an open mind at the world we're living in, then those same billboards and advertisements and wrappers of trash you see on the floor become like these signs and symbols and beautiful like things that speak to you and nature does as well and I'm you know it's not, I'm not trying to lift the one above the other I'm just saying that the external environment is also nature and we're starting to realize that definitely for me personally that uh, I've always been living in a mysterious wonderland and uh, the movies I watch and the comics I read and the billboards and advertisements everything around me are just as much mysterious objects to me as uh you know taking a walk through the forest uh, or reading patterns in the clouds or anything uh that's more and more and it's kind of through synchronicity because i would see these mysterious things in pop culture and i would try and make sense of them and then i that's sort of more the process of synchromysticism has led me more and more into what i'm talking about I don't know how heavy, like it, I feel like the first videos I made, I was still working through trying to understand this and connecting, uh, connecting the potential of how is this working? Is there some kind of esoteric order that is embedding, seeding pop culture with, uh, you know, all these mysterious messages or are the original sources of pop culture, the occult, or what is it? Like, I was still trying to deal with that, but where I'm at now is I feel like everything is coming from the mystery, the plants, the the movies, everything is coming out of great mystery. And I feel like it's almost an, a bias we have towards what we decide is myster- mysterious and magical. There's, uh, it's kind of a put down. We, 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 we choose that this thing and that thing is special, but I think it's all special and it's all like a potential doorway. Yeah. You know, there's certainly a, an element of judgment in, in our, in our, uh, oh, you know, collective psyche in a way. Yeah. We, we... And, and, 
And in the esoteric community, you know, if you, which is, I don't know what that means, but I definitely feel like there's a, you know, we, we look at the world and we kind of judge it as, you know, filled with idiotic people who are not sensitive and they're destroying the world. And of course, there's an element of truth to that, but there's also the fact that you have to deal with that, you know, if we're all this one consciousness and there's this, then what is it doing? You know, do I trust it or do I not trust it? Is culture and society like a disease or is it a function of a process that we don't understand that's bigger than, you know, our individual interpretations? And I feel like these are the things I've been trying to deal with, with, with the, with the videos. Like what does it mean if pop culture can unveil so much mystery and what are, what are my judgments of that medium? And you must take a little bit of delight in sneaking, you know, uh, a clip from the Simpsons, you know, right next to a glory shot of the, uh, of the Egyptian pyramids. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that is kind of fun in a way. It is fun. And I mean, there is, there there definitely is a trickster aspect to that kind of thing as well, which I less and less, you know, feel like I'm consciously doing, like trying to be Discordian or, you know, trying to be a sneaky (laughs) character and trying to mess with people's, um, knowing where people are attached or where people are uh, stuck and then pushing those buttons. For For me, I'm not just, you know, doing whatever I feel like, you know, is the most potentially awe-inspiring thing that I can do for myself. And, you know, it it doesn't really, it's not about tricking people. But there are definitely, in the earlier parts, I was definitely inspired by, you know, Robert Anton Wilson and Timothy Leary and, you know, people who had this kind of trickster edge to their work. And uh, you can't help but be self-aware that when you're taking The Simpsons and ancient Egypt and considering them as equivalent that that kind of pushes people's buttons, you know? Yes. And, and just here, I just, as we've been talking, I just made like a little bulleted point here on the piece of paper. And uh, the stuff that I've been most delighted with is when you start blending um, the 9-11 event and K2, the mountain, and right. the Masonic um, tracing boards and Aleister Crowley and 2001 Space Odyssey and um, the Egyptian pyramids. And somehow... You managed to tie this all into this actress named Robin Tunney, and how did right. how did that all collide together? Well, the Robin Tunney thing was she was one of the really early people where I noticed that if you focus on one star and you go through all their movies, you can actually see a meta narrative or a composite character. It's another word I've try to apply to the idea of not considering the boundary of one individual role as, as the limit, but taking their whole body of work and then looking at it as one character or one narrative and then just trying to edit together how you see this picture. That was sort of what emerged by Robin Tunney. And then she's, because she was the first person I really noticed this potential for, I've kind of just focused on her through the whole experience of synchromysticism because she was the first and she just is continually relevant and she's still on TV every Thursday and I still watch her show and try and see if there's connections between what's happening in her show to what's happening in the world at large and she still comes up in newer videos but she was definitely the first and I was just reading about 
uh, K2 at that point, this author was saying that the Great Pyramid is a map that points towards K2. And at the same time, I'm like, well, why don't, why don't I use this new sync thing that I've been into for a while and try and look at this idea of the Great Pyramid as a map that points towards K2 through this synchromysticism that I was trying to develop. And then I, her movie became obvious because of vertical limit she climbs K2. And then immediately I watched End of Days right after that, and she has the 2K above her head. And I thought that was so, it was challenging for me because I still was like, well, it's not K2, it's 2K. But that sort of was one of the big let go, letting go of like, how do I order information in my head? And why is there a bias in my mind to wanting a K to be in front of the two or the two to be in front of the K? So sort of, it was like a healing process for me. Like, is it because my rational mind is struggling with it? Or is it because I'm trying to be loose and trying to make this drama fit that I'm turning the two K or is there a bias in my mind about how information is ordered? Because it's tantalizing, like intuitively, it just feels like, well, there's a powerful connection here. 2K and K2 is the same thing. But my rational mind was struggling with that. But it was to me one of the most potent things then when I did let go of that bias, that 2K or K2 is the same thing, that there's this amazing connection between her two movies. And then deeper going and then taking that, okay, as a fact, watch another one. I watched The Craft and here she's in shot with a, Crowley spelling magic book. So I'm like, well, this is really interesting because one of the few facts I know about K2 is that Alistair Crowley was the first person to try and climb K2. And uh, this just immediately blew my mind. Like, I've decided, let's see if I can see the elements at play in Robin Tani's work because she climbs K2 in one silly foam in her other work. And it just immediately one by one just lined up amazingly and then tells you other things that you might, it's like you see the, the points that you know and then the context associated to those points kind of tell you more that you might not have known. And then it's, it's in a way a research tool. Like you can find out more about K2, the mountain, and the mystery about the mountain by looking at popular culture. You know, it's there's something very seductive about, you know, watching your videos where they they are very engrossing and and uh, oh, I just have to pay a compliment because I, I'm just impressed at the content you come up with. Um, so just that when I, as you were talking, I wrote let go of that bias, and um, that's in a way something that I've been doing, and that's what I've sort of been exploring in my writings and such in the blog is just as far as letting go of that bias and and trusting you know the way i say it is 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 just trusting my gut yeah 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 um so you've spoken of synchromysticism oh i don't want to say a tool but is it is it like a spiritual path for you oh well i definitely see it as for me i think of it as a zen tool that would be the closest um metaphor it's very much the same goal of zen Certainly it has become that. Like, I don't know if that was the intent at the beginning. In the beginning, I thought more like this is kind of unveiling, this, uh, giving us clues about the conspiracy and about the Illuminati and about, I don't know, there's some definitely mystical realities that this is tapping into. That was sort of the early interpretation, but at this point, it's really 
the same goal I feel like uh, of a Zen practice is what I feel like synchronicity can ultimately bring is which is peace of mind and a sense of who we are beyond our mind. Yeah, so that to me is the goal at this point with synchromysticism is the same goal as Zen is to to teach you how to let go of preconceived biases of who or what we are. And I think that's what synchronicity is. The key of synchronicity is it keeps pushing the limits of what you think your identity is and your involvement with the environment. Like Because all the synchronicities are dependent on you. So what does that make you? Does that make you God or does that make you crazy or does that, what does it make you? You know, so it really pushes that issue onto the observer fully because synchronicity is constantly about you witnessing something. Like it's because of you being there that something's happening, but then who are you? And that's the really interesting question that keeps coming up. And I feel like the neuroses with people trying to understand synchronicity is also really pointed out very clearly with you know people going a little bit bonkers or crazy and i even feel like i was a little bit crazy in the beginning trying to work through what synchronicity is uh, and trying to make it fit into a rational worldview you know it's inevitably going to drive you crazy or make you sound nuts this said i feel like 99 percent of the people on the planet are nuts but that's kind of the healing process we're going through is realizing this and that's how i feel like synchronicity can help because in a way, it's making you really crazy by <laughs> making you wonder, okay, what is this force that is that I'm so intimately involved with that is creating these synchronicities? And why is it that the more I look for them, the more I find them, you know, and dealing with that whole, that whole thing about what is this interactive thing about the universe or the environment and myself? You know, these sort of really interesting questions that synchronicity really brings up who am I and what does it mean that if I focus on something it starts to come more out of my environment or does that just mean I'm crazy <laughs> so yeah very yeah. interesting stuff but to me the answer is the same answer as as a, as a Zen or a Buddhist or you know authentic Buddhist tradition would have yeah it's the gnosis of the self fascinating now now when we first started talking I asked you if you knew anything about the writing I had done on my blog or, or the type of stuff I've been looking into, and you said no. No, no, I am I, I, not familiar with your work. I, I got a message from you on Facebook the same day as somebody else asked, and I was like, I don't know this person, but because it's a synchronicity, I'm going to say yes. And I had a quick look just to get a feel for, you know, and I saw a few names that I'd recognized that you had done podcasts with, so I was like, okay, I'll do it. But I'm not familiar with your work. Oh, okay, so in, as far as work, that's a funny way to say it. It's it's all, you know, funny way, the blog has been mostly my personal writings about, uh, oh, trying to come to terms with uh, some events in my life. And, um, and these events seem to point to, and I'm very cautious to say what I'm about to say, but uh, they seem to be pointing to some sort of uh, ET contact or, or UFO contact or abduction contact uh, that I have personal stories that are puzzle pieces. They're all fragmented, but they, they are so strange, and they, they certainly point to that. And I've talked with UFO researchers, and they, they basically say, like, so what's going on in your life today? And the honest response for me is that I have been plagued with profoundly bizarre 
synchronicities. And it's, it's right. at some point I made the decision, um, uh, somewhat synchronistically, I'll add, to just to say yes, to follow these. And there's a, uh, oh, at the time that I basically said yes, that I was going to just walk towards this as opposed to deny it, I had been listening to a lot of Joseph Campbell. There was, a, I had a, I have like a, a collection of audio interviews with Joseph Campbell. And, and one of the things that he said that really shook me up and really and rang true is he told the parable about uh, the Knights of the Round Table and they all had to go on their adventure. And so they all went off separately and they left the trail and, and entered into the darkest part of the forest. And that to me was like a metaphor for what I was doing. I mean, there is no roadmap at all for what I'm attempting to do here. The only thing I'm capable of doing is following the synchronicities. You know, they, they seem to be threads presented to me, and I need to pull on them. Yes. Uh, you were saying before how you felt like, you know, you, you felt like uh, people would see you as being insane, and this is exactly how I feel. You know, the act of trusting these synchronistic events in my life and walking towards them and pulling on the thread has led to a deeper immersion into something that's been very challenging and at the same time strangely rewarding. Yeah, and uh, I feel like, you know, UFO themes and alien themes are feeling like there's, that's one of the narratives that definitely in synchronicity and even in, you know, the the field of synchromysticism, it definitely comes up a lot. The idea that one of the things you could be seeing, you know, trying to deal with what what we're seeing this pattern and what is it pointing towards one of the themes that always comes up is contact you know that uh there's this potential that what you're noticing is a higher consciousness of maybe an extraterrestrial that somehow has embedded clues in all the media that you're involved with that could be one potential explanation there's a few that you know sort of these trying to deal with the themes of synchronicity showing up in your life as an as something orchestrated by something other than yourself, you know, and what could that be? And I feel like one of the things that comes up a lot is contact of uh, an alien intelligence, perhaps that puts uh, clues in your environment. And if you follow them, then you can actually get this message, this download they're, they're such powerful, beautiful narratives, and I feel they have a core of truth in them. Uh, there's other ones, you know, like there's a secret society or maybe ascended wizards or something that have transcended matter, and they're in other dimensions or things that we don't understand from our usual perspective, and they, they can also encode this message in the world around us, in the movies and in the in the very fabric of our existence. And if we follow these clues diligently, you know, we can get this download from these masters. You know, so I think those are, those are, you know, I think we all have different ways of interpreting the realization of synchronicity, you know, and depending on the sophistication of uh, a person's mind or their personality or, or their temperament or whatever it is, we have different architecture to explain, you know, the synchronicities and uh, what they are. And if you look at my videos, you're kind of watching the process of me dealing with noticing synchronicity and pattern and just everything in there, you know, ancient Egypt and 
9-11 and the Illuminati and, you know, aliens and contact and movies 2010 and 2012 and how 2001. So I'm like, you can just see me trying to deal with the whole process of uh, following the sync clues. And I feel like more in the writing that I've been doing over the couple of years, the last couple of years, you can kind of follow, you know, the conclusions I've been, I've drawn from the videos. And there's been a few videos since that I, I feel like it's sort of a different set of videos. There's the older videos where I'm kind of dealing with the process and more than now the fallout, which have been the last couple of videos that I've, you know, made with Jim Saunders and the more recent videos, which I think, I, I think some people find them less attractive because they're not really giving you that sense of, oh my goodness, there's this uh, thing happening and it's really bizarre and it's really frantic and, you know, it's this puzzle that's tentatively close and maybe we're going to decode it. It's not that. There's more. The, it's more the settled, like, vibe of, you know, the joy is here <laughs> kind of thing because I feel like there's actually, you can actually figure out the synchronicities, which is the self, which, which in a way you can't really figure out because you already are that self. So it's all, you know, it all becomes mush the moment you actually get to what I think the solution is. But that, in a way, is the point that it all, you know, just goes beyond words and what can be said. But uh, that's, that's then, really. It's because you're telling, I'm trying to express to people the answer, which I think everybody already has, right? It's that kind of mystical mumbo-jumbo to speak that it turns into when you get to the core. And what about personal synchronicities in your life? I mean, besides the ones where you notice something curious in a Robin Tunney movie, um, you know, yes. uh, what about direct day-to-day -day life experiences? Have you been at the receiving end of synchronicities? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's really probably the focus of my day, in a way, is synchronicity. Like, I Twitter all day about synchronicity and the, the connections between whatever I'm writing or videos that I've made every day. I'm Twittering about my moment-to-moment -moment experience. And what's really neat is uh, having a community of people who have been doing the same kind of thing for a couple of years. So we have a very almost like psychic connection where we tweet and blog about the synchronicities we're experiencing and we, we just know because it's been our like immediate experience over the last couple of years that whatever they're seeing as a synchronicity on their end will be the same thing I've been seeing on my end. And it's, it's to the point where we're, we're trying to like, you know, it's not the question of, is this happening anymore? It's like, yeah, it's a, it's a definite phenomena. We're like, well, what do, what can we do with this? You know, like, and where do we where do we go from here? Like, we're trying to integrate this into a, a process and a, like a school of you know of gnosis and of teaching and of uh, exploring a new frontier of consciousness because we are we'll, we're literally like in training with each other all day. We're every day. I'll I'll just know that. I'll see something that they're writing about and I'm like, well, I've been seeing that thing 10 times today already myself. So it's almost like we're starting to realize that we're, you know, not limited to our individual perception of ourselves because the internet has allowed us this portal into each other to be so intimately connected 
And yeah, there's there's a blog where I write very frequently about um, the synchronicities and the connections and the uh, what I what I what I think it means and how I interpret it. And there's a whole community of us for sure, like every day documenting, basically like keeping diary and keeping track of all the synchronicities and how they change and interact. It's interesting because I've had some extre- some of the most profound experiences in my life have been directly related to Facebook, uh, yeah. which is so strange because, you know, you would think that, that the Internet, um, you know, would be this void, dry thing, you know, this, this, this new form of digital communication, you know, in, in all its ramifications, whether that be Twitter or uh, blogging or, you know, these, these movies that you, you can make on a desktop. Yeah. And uh, it's almost like there's a sentient intelligence behind this. You know, this is this oh, is yeah. the ether in a way that that uh you know that you would almost go into in a in a in a meditative state. Well, yeah, but you know, for me, starting to get into uh, consciousness, ideas, and Terence McKenna and 2012, all that stuff before Facebook and before Twitter and before blogs, it very much seems to me like a result of what people were seeing coming down the pipe. Uh, And also the tool that is exponentially increasing that. I feel like very much this idea that we are going through an evolutionary jump is a reality and that Facebook and Twitter and the blogs and the internet itself is not just a thing that's helping this manifest. It's a it's very it's a result of that. That the technology is just an expression of our consciousness changing and this more interactivity between us as individuals, just the, like being you know connected to each other and portals opening into each other's lives more and more every day and more and more intimately every day. I feel like uh, it's like both. A result of us becoming one consciousness and it's what's increasing it as well and yeah there's another sort of layer where it looks like just from the consensus perspective it's just another tool to flirt with each other and to put photos up and talk about parties and whatever it's just a mirror but there's another perspective where that is (laughs) that these technologies are very much the physical expression of us becoming um, psychic beings, you know, that we, we don't see it as psychic tool because that's just the story that we're telling ourselves. You know, it's normal. But if you take it even five years back, if you showed me my cell phone that I have right now where I can touch the screen and, you know, pull up any information I want on Wikipedia, if you show me that like five years ago, I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> And, it, and 10 years ago, I'd be like floored, like this is like a magic. And, you know, if you just take it 50 years back, then, you know, it's a different story. Then it impo- seems I'm, completely impossible. I'm, you know, wondering what, what happens when we project things 50 years forward. Right. Uh, like know, the, it we, seems is this so... Is going to be just in, in, instilled right into our consciousness, you know, these, these right. things? Are we going to be some sort of uh, you know, science fiction yeah. story in the making where, where uh, you know, instead of touching a, a flat screen on, on your iPhone, you know, do you just think it and it automatically appears? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. I feel like it's just perspective that keeps us from this insight. And it's, in a, in a way, it's necessary. And that it's, 
you know, there's just some people who are sensitive to picking it up just because like any, any culture organizes itself into different kinds of people for different functions, not because they're a better class and worse class, just because just like a body, there's a, a mind and there's toes and there's all these beautiful things functioning together in harmony. But in the same way, there are certain people in a culture who are like the shamans and the mystics because their function in that well-working society is to be able to see the changes coming and to be sensitive to dreams and to, you know, mystical insights. And I think certain people are just, we can see that there's something happening, there's a consciousness shift happening and a change afoot and we're interested in these subjects. And for me, it's like, there's there's not even a question that there's a consciousness evolution happening. It is happening. It's like what I'm experiencing right at this very second is having a conversation with somebody who understands what I'm talking about is to me a manifestation of that evolutionary thing that we're going through. So that's not even a question to me that, that this is a reality. Where, where is it going? You know, even 10 years from now, I have no idea. Does that mean? But uh, to me, it's, it's a concrete, create reality as much as my desk in front of me right now is this consciousness shift. I'm not like what waiting for it in 2012. It's, it's right here right now. It's like, it's manifesting as, uh, as this conversation. Yeah, I yeah. agree completely. Cause I, I just sort of turn the clock back a few years and I try to picture myself, you know, doing what I'm doing right now. I would have, I would have, I would have, I, I, I just wouldn't have even made sense. Uh, yeah. You know, coming forward with my, somewhat uh, uh, elusive set of experiences and trying to make sense of them in such a public forum. I mean, you know, anyone, someone in a, in a, in a cyber cafe in, in uh, Kuala Lumpur can, you know, read my, my writing, you know. Right. So, it's and, bizarre. Yeah. And it's, and it's uh, you know, I'm from a psychedelic background that being part of what, uh, you know, my, the context of my life situation was, is, you know, taking, acid and ayahuasca and that kind of stuff, you know, as a teenager, definitely the acid experiences would give me states of awareness that I thought were limited to that moment. And then wondering maybe, well, one day will that be where we are normally, you know, that the insights I was having, is this something that I will have access to in my normal day-to-day life? And yeah, this is true. Like over the years, things that I only understood, you know, for 10 minutes maybe on a ecstatic state or on a, in a meditation or whatever it was, there was only things that were associated to mystical states are now every day. You know, I can have a conversation with people about things I only understood for brief periods every couple of months during a psychic, uh, psychedelic experience. <laughs> you know, now is every day. And I feel like that is consciousness growth and it seems exponential and I don't know what that means you know where does this thing plateau I don't know and I, maybe that's what people are seeing when they're talking about 2012 um, I don't know just in a brief period of time there's been very fascinating immediate results of consciousness I agree completely shift. Yeah. And, yeah and I feel like I'm subjected to that and it's and it's it's been challenging and you know at first it really freaked me out um, I didn't like it. Yeah, it I was, mean, it was. Yeah. And then now I've just, I've kind of, you know, and I, and I just put so much weight on these things. I would have these, you know, uh, you know, very impressive synchronicities, and and I would just be like, you know, I would walk around like a zombie for three days. There's these, you know, sweet women that work at the local health food store, and I would just 
it just seemed like, you know, several times a week I would go in there and they would play my therapist. I would just, you know, kind of bang my head against the wall and just like, what's happening? Um, right. <laughs> hey, here's a question. When can you sort of pinpoint a date as far as like uh, when it really began to happen for you or when, when that, um, when you really dove in or when you felt the change within yourself to pursue this? Um, well, I remember the, the, the most intense psychedelic experience I ever had was in 1998 the 24th of December, which subsequently, I mean, that wasn't intentional. That was just, uh, you know, the day me and my friends were at the beach wanting to have some kicks and I just took way too much acid. And then, uh, you know, my reality just shattered into a billion pieces and what coalesced after the experience, you know, was completely different, was never the same again. It actually took, you know, like I was, almost like having to act for a couple of months, you know, like I'm saying, because I wasn't saying like it had completely, you know, it was just such an extreme experience that, you know, I had no context to understand and I didn't have the right, I didn't know the right people. It wasn't like, you know, the way I would recommend people ever do that kind of thing, you know, but there was just this really profound psychedelic experience that happened in 1998 that, uh, just, blue, you know, it just destroyed my ego and my identity. And then, it, of course, it repairs, but it's such a strange uh, experience that you don't really understood what happened or it's still wrapped up in so much attachment and, you know, whatever the context is of my things I associated to enlightenment and to, uh, I don't know, mystery and whatever, you, 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 you try and make a new narrative after the experience and then however you're equipped to do that is the result which was very dodgy and took a couple of years actually you know maybe a good i don't know still happening <laughs> i'm still trying to make the best narrative i can after realizing the infinite and eternal ministry is you know this reality and that my individual self is just the story that i put over that you know i'm still trying to find the best narrative to live by day by day but more and more every day, you know, feeling very healthy and confident to, uh, you know, to live and breathe. <laughs> but yeah, 1998, that, that happened and that was a big uh, change. But then there were other sort of, well, coming to Canada was a big one. And just ending up in Winnipeg and then, well, starting to do the synchronicity work you know, the blogging in Winnipeg, it kind of felt interesting. And then meeting Jim Saunders and he was the first person to give me ayahuasca. That seemed like another jump and that was maybe two years ago. And I feel like that's where a lot of healing was done with uh, coping with sort of a dodgy gnosis, you know. I feel like I was one of those teenagers who had you know, not the right upbringing or context to understand what I was going through and then kind of had to navigate a lot of turmoil and weirdness and all the random stories that you can build through the information you can find online, you know, a better reality to explain all the experiences that are happening to you. It's so interesting that this psychedelic events you know are so pivotal in your life and and uh, one of the things i've done is just made a, a real 
deal effort to reach out and talk, communicate, whether it's phone calls or going to conferences and meeting folks in person, you know, people who claim to have the UFO abduction event in their life or yeah. the contact event or however, you know, there's any number of ways, you know, this experience yeah. or, and, yeah. um, you know, one of the questions I ask is, so do you have, you know, any synchronicities in your life? And these people, you know, they, they roll their eyes, you know, they just look at me like, in essence saying like, there's no way to answer that, you know, it's over the top. And, yeah. and it's a very curious byproduct of this elusive phenomenon that, that I don't quite know how to make sense of. Well, um, there's one that sort of sticks out for me, an experience that I had where I felt like there was, uh, you know, a, an ET talking to me. <laughs> oh, please tell the story. Uh, this is on my page right here. I have it right in front of me. Okay. Um, yeah, I was, I'd, I'd gone to research crop circles because some earlier work that I had done had, uh, you know, caught the attention of someone who lives in England and they, he said, if I ever make it over to England, he'll take me to see crop circles. And I eventually made it over to England and took him up on the offer. <clears throat> so, you know, he took me to Wiltshire and this was 2000 and... Seven, 2007. So I went to England and I saw crop circles, maybe about nine or ten crop circles, uh, you know, one or two that were pretty fresh and got to, you know, see that experience, something that I'd always been fascinated with my whole life, crop circles. And then uh, left, left that guy who invited me over and went with friends on a trip to the, to the beach in Cornwall in England and you know, it's not really my scene, but they were doing a lot of speed. So, I mean, I must give the context. We were doing a lot of speed. And I was like, well, I'd never done it before, but uh, went to the Eden Project, which are these giant geodesic domes that they have in Cornwall. They're the biggest ge geodesic domes they were at that point on the planet. And they have all this plant life simulating different environments in, in, in these giant domes. So different atmospheres for the plants so you can have all this variety and walk through this area and see all these plants from all over the world and they have like giant Amazonian lily pads and I remember my friends picking some coca, coca leaves and uh, I was telling them about this documentary filmmaker uh, whose documentary I'd seen that's from Winnipeg who had made this film about coca just thought it was interesting you know because it would become relevant a couple of days later and then that evening, I was lying in the tent, and we smoked some hash. <laughs> so I just I feel like that gives people the <clears throat> the context, you know, to understand the experience. Because I I feel like obviously the drugs had something to do with it, but it didn't. You know, that's sort of the thing about these experiences is like, uh, you know, is that is that a legitimate experience or was that just brought on by the by the substance? I feel like I have my answers, but. It's good to let people know what the context was. And it's interesting because so I've had this same conversation with another fellow who had a profound UFO experience with a friend, and they both saw the same thing. And they're both, uh, this happened in the late 70s. And, yeah. uh, and, and they were on acid. You know, there's a, Terrence McKenna talks about the fact that you know, if you know a a very logical researcher would would take your story and just throw it in the trash can once he found out about these things, he would just dismiss right. it and take it right out of the the data pool. Where yeah. Terrence McKenna said, you know, like no, 
this is a this is a, a ritual act. This is a magic act in a way, um, right? That is opening some doorway to to a higher set of experiences. Right, that, that and can be debated in any number of ways, and I'm not of advocating course, anything. And I, but, but, uh, no, 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 never am I. And I and I feel like you know the majority of the experiences I've mentioned so far are not at all the way I would recommend one ever approaching a psychedelic experience like in the last couple of years hanging out with uh, Jim Saunders who I was actually connected to the story and I'll get to that you know I've kind of learned like the ritualistic uh, sacred way of doing these things and how much safer and responsible and beautiful that method is you know but I wasn't really aware of that I just sort of stumbled through these avenues because I was really interested in exploring consciousness and what this was one of the things that I felt were potential tools to, you know, and I also wanted to have kicks, you know, that was, uh, growing up, that was, you know, one of the things that was appealing to me, but then, you know, sort of side effects were like the uh, experience I'm explaining with the, with the, with the tent. So it was the same day I went to, these giant geodesic domes with all these plants. And it was the same. It was like a couple of days after seeing all these crop circles, which was, you know, probably, I feel like as part of the mystery of the experience, it's more like I was programming myself for this experience, or I was going through some kind of mystery that I don't fully understand. But the, the whole, the context of being in a different country, being in a new environment and being on substances that I weren't used to, I feel like is all part of the context of what, what happened. But then another thing was that we were camping and um, I'd never understood what the 2012 alignment was. But my friend, you know, the Milky Way was above us. It was a beautiful night and the sky was so bright and open. And uh, my friend was explaining to me the alignment of the galactic center with the earth and the sun and the galactic plane. And I'd never had a visual image of it. And that night I could see it for the first time. I the first time somebody had explained to me kind of visually what that means, the alignment. And I still don't even know if I understood it, but that evening I felt like I did. <laughs> like I could see what a, what a good galactic alignment meant. And I like went to my tent with my mind totally blown and, you know, had this great experience and whatever. And I lay in the tent and this voice just started talking to me, just like flat out, you know, didn't seem like a facet of me or anything. It just was this voice that was not associated to my mind, just suddenly there. And it was just telling me things and it knew everything about me. I could ask it any part of my childhood or things I'd forgotten. And it would just like explain to me the psychology of hangups that I have of, uh, things I've suppressed. It like, it was like giving me all this insight and, you know, unlocking things that I'd repressed. And it was this, you know, firstly to prove that it was this force that uh, is somehow able to give me some insight. It showed me because it had all this knowledge. And uh, it then just explained all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I'd, I I asked it if it was alien. It said yes. And then I asked it, is it a computer from the future and it said yes and I asked is it uh, a facet of myself that I'm just not usually activated and it said yes and it kind of laughed at all these questions as well because it also said that you know you're just trying to put into 
your own context what this experience is, but it it completely fulfilled like the criteria in my mind of what a contact experience would be. You know, so I totally see it as a spiritual experience and I don't feel like, and definitely through the research I've been doing with synchronicity, I also feel like the equivalent symbolism of contact, you know, and this you pick up in films like E.T. where E.T. has the big glowing heart just like Jesus or the poster design is the two fingers, you know, the two fingers are, that are traditionally associated with Jupiter uh, coming together and then just like the Sistine Chapel, you know, painting. Yeah. Oh, and, they're touching and, and each e. other. And that, E.T. rises yeah. again from the dead and, and uh, right. yeah, all, all these that. things. So it's a total Jesus story. Yeah. And, and you know, the idea that you look at uh, a spaceship and it's kind of like a floating mandala and, uh, and crop circles are mandalas. I feel like, you know, different facets of consciousness have different ways of reaching enlightenment and for a certain segment of the population it's not going to be jesus it's going to be ufos and i feel like we have different narratives that are trying to get us to you know learn who we are and what we are and this new consciousness and i feel that the ufo contact scenario is part of that like for me it seems like any drama in the world that is its function. The narrative, the story is of our lives and of anybody's life. They might be different stories, but the goal is the same, is to learn who we are and what we are, uh, which is just to remember, basically. You're not like being taught something. You're just being re reawakened to something that you already were, already are, and I feel like the contact experience is just another way for that story to be accepted by the individual for people with certain temperament. And for me, that was part of it. But, and I feel like I'm fortunate because I had such a mishmash of narratives in my life that I associated to enlightenment, the contact scenario, the conspiracy scenarios that, you know, are connected to the occult and connected to all these things that it's this really mishmash of uh, themes that now I notice similarities to them and I feel like they're all the same story. It really isn't any different to me, the idea of contact with an alien intelligence or what uh, the story of Jesus is trying to tell people or what, uh, you know, a movie is trying to tell people it's all to me the same the same story and it seems confirmed to me by my practical experience of uh contact and and dreams with beings like i mean all these things seem to me to be trying to get you to you know gnosis and all of these things and this is one of the things that i that i'm fascinated by is these synchronicities are you know, the really profound ones are hard to ignore, but I think that, that I, I know enough about myself is that I'm capable of figuring out a way to ignore them, and, and less and less so as, as I uh, immerse myself deeper into this and become a little more comfortable in this realm. Um, but I think that's just human nature, to, like, something profound happens and just dismiss it. <laughs> as, yeah. as, and, uh, and then the act of not dismissing it. But these, uh, you know, one of the things I, when I was 
it first started getting confronted with this this stuff and it felt like this is going back to 2006 which is only four years ago and there's been a big you know profound you know flip-flop in my life in the last four years i i wanted something like some triumphant answer you know i wanted that scene from uh the ten commandments you know where we're Charlton Heston is on the you know the mountaintop kind of thing, and, right. and uh, you know I wanted these synchronicities to just like explain something profound. Um, yes, and and they don't really. What they do, and this is this is in a way a conclusion on my part, whether it's true or not, I don't know. What they do is they just are tiny little, uh, you know, like if there's a fork in the path, you know, the, yeah. the synchronicity may it may not point to that direction. It just may nudge you in the most subtle ways uh, to take this different path. Or to or to to uh, you know make a decision to follow that that fork and and there is a, a little bit of abandonment involved there. Yeah, it's funny. It's sort of like it depends. My story will change depending on who I'm talking to. I feel like that's just natural um, about synchronicity. Like if somebody seems hung up on how mysterious and how peculiar and how you know mind-blowing synchronicity is then i'll kind of go into the well it's so part of my everyday life it's so everywhere it's so all pervasive it's really just normal you know and if somebody is saying well you know synchronicity is not really very amazing it's not really it's 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 very it's not it's not a big deal then i'll try the then i immediately switch over to the no it will blow your mind it it's so vast it's so peculiar it's it it's so tantalizing and i feel like the 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 reason for that is because i've kind of become aware of it not really being about uh you know it's to me the synchronicity is just a doorway to a understanding which is shared and is already there and People can either be hung up on mystery, you know, wanting, craving mystery, or they can have a lack of that. They can be like hung up on the idea that, no, everything is rational and practical. So sort of whatever people are focusing on, you take the opposite. It's just natural to uh, gravitate to that because you have to represent the opposite to get somebody to the uh, the real meat which is something that they already know they're just you just have to satisfy that story that drama for people to let go of their of their resistance to admitting that they already know the answer yeah, to and, uh, and the drama that uh, that uh, example you gave about you know giving the 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 contradictory reply to to whatever you know the the person's state of mind might be um, yeah you know that sounds like every Zen Cohen in a way. They all that seem to have that flavor. Oh, that's it's it's, it's that's totally the thing. It's like whatever a person because it is synchronicity is magical. It is mysterious. It is, but it is also part of the mundane. You know, how, it's both at the same time. The understanding of it is actually, you know, it's beyond rational. But wherever a person is hung up on, you just, you know, it's it's normal to switch to the other extreme to balance it out until that person can buy the interaction of their view and your view, see the middle, you know? 
Yeah, hold it here. I'm just going to do something for you real quick. I may edit this out, but here I'm going to just try. Just my kitten. I have this brand new kitten, and she's. I've zipped her into my jacket. As here, and I'm going to move my headset. Can you hear this? That's your cat? That's my little... I just got a new kitten about two weeks ago, so... Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Did you hear it? The purring? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could totally hear the okay. purr. Okay, I, I pushed it really close. Hey, yeah. um, I went through this crazy phase where I read... Uh, uh, channeled books, and I and it was very weird. I don't really know why I did it, and I, I it was yeah. like well before I you know got at all, like looked at my own set of what would be UFO experiences. Uh, this would have been in the late '90s, uh, mid to late '90s, and I was reading uh, Neil Donald Walsh, and there's a series of books uh, called the Emmanuel books, and um, but there's a there's a handful of researchers, and I'm just I, I wrote some notes here. Neil Donald Walsh, William Henry. There's a guy named Jordan Maxwell. Are you familiar with him? Yes. Yeah, and and Steve Wilmer is is like a master at this, and then uh, uh, other folks that I know who are kind of involved in these circles are get really excited about um, anagrams and just like little uh, like wordplay, and yeah. you know like a word will be written one way but can be easily pronounced another way. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, it, it seems so silly you know in a in a funny way but it but it like it's such a pattern and i'm just i'm just wondering uh, you know where this comes from well i know that uh we're definitely i know i'm i'm fascinated by that kind of thing as well and i feel like it's a tool to relax the rigid uh division of placing information because, I mean, every individual word and thought in your head is kind of shaping your reality or the way you perceive your reality. So realizing that the way you interpret a word is flexible. And, I mean, we, we intuitively know that. Poetry is all about that, you know. Uh, but taking it seriously, that's, that's the challenge. And it's something that I, I, I do. I mean, it's still playful, but it's also, I feel like, the idea that I look at a figure that's shaped a certain way, and that means five, is just an association that our culture has decided upon. But I can just as easily look at that same shape and see a different meaning into it, and it can be just as relevant as the collective cultural one. And I feel like by playing with numbers and with words and with the way we interpret them and look at them and the equivalence of whatever word is in numbers, whatever you're, you're allowing your mind to relax that sort of rigid because our society has a specific way. It wants you to filter information. But then when you look at that and you start to realize the connections that come up between words and numbers and world events, whatever, if you kind of relax, the facility in your mind of organizing things into certain groups, you start to realize, well, there's a lot of validity to uh, letting go of that process of, you know, what is what you're allowing to associate with what. And I mean, it gets very silly to your mind, but that's kind of the point. Like the mind in a way is, 
it's a, it's a prison, you know. It depends on what you define by mind. You can think of the real self as the mind, which is why people get confused. Or you can think of the what you, we usually associate with the mind, which is just uh, a collection of ideas. And they're always changing in any way. <laughs> and somehow they're uh, yeah. physical. I mean, it's the, the mind on, to the scientist would be, uh, if this is changing, obviously, right. with, the, with the advancements of... of, of uh, you know, the way people interpret this stuff, but the mind would be a collection of synapses and, you know, right. uh, blood neurons and, and, you know, temperature regulating and, you know, uh, you know, how much potassium is in the mind has a direct correlation on how much, you know, the right. function of the mind can be. So, yeah, this is, it's of a course, chemical yeah. event as well as, as a, as a, as a spiritual uh, sort of thing. Hey, um, now I wish I could find this and I've actually looked for it, but I, I read Neil Donald Walsh's, uh, initial three books and are you familiar with him at all no okay i know no. Steve, steve wilner is a is a fan of neil donald walsh and he quotes him periodically he's a guy at channel did these very popular uh books called uh conversation with god i mean i think he made a zillion dollars in the in the last 15 years or so off these books you know he claims to have you know channeled this directly from god and and then he you know a big percentage of the book is trying to justify that or try to come to terms with it and and um, and i found these yeah. books really great really really have okay. a they have a nice uh you get a nice uh view of the universe through these books but in there he you know the basically the god voice you know uh neil donald walsh says says you know like uh to some word play or to some uh, you know, synchro, you know, synchronistic little thing that God points out in, in the in the Neil Donald Walsh writes. You know, like how do you do this? How do you find these? And then uh, the God voice says, you know, this is how the universe is organized. And if you were actually truly aware, you would be able to see it. And because you're not truly aware, all you can do is get these glimpses of it. I'm paraphrasing, and I'm probably getting some of this wrong. Yeah. And I just thought that was a that was a something I've almost come to recognize as a very real truism, that this is how the universe is organized, the same way that, uh, you know, at one point we may not have understood why um, rock candy formed the way it did. You know, a, a sugar wants to crystallize yeah. in a certain shape. And uh, and then through science and, and diligence, you know, somebody figured out, you know, why sugar wants to crystallize like that. And then, uh, and I just feel like the universe is the same thing. And perhaps someday through science and diligence will crack that code too and it'll become much less magic um I, I you know this may be you know eons in the future but um you know it may just be as simple as the same way that that uh you know gravity works or you know water flows downhill is the same way that these synchronicities occur yeah and i and i and i think uh you know our one way of understanding synchronicity and i think which points towards what we're talking about as well is that you know the mind is just kind of like slicing up the experience into categories and bidding it you know so that it's understandable but it's not really like that it's all connected it's all like in a way it's a it's a uniform thing you know so we're trying to narrow it down into concepts so we can understand it. You know, our mind wants to understand things, and that's fine. But when you start dealing with synchronicity, it's like, and with you know, seeing multiple meanings in words and playing with the words, it's kind of like you're allowing that initial process that your mind likes to do to be a bit more flex flexible. You're saying, okay, well, 
I'm acknowledging that information you know, doesn't necessarily have to, you're not dealing with, you're kind of becoming aware of the non-local mind. I feel like synchronicity is just pointing out that uh, what you're seeing is connected. You know, you're, you're, you're seeing the same object from different angles. Yeah, very much so. Or this, yeah, the, the, whether it's the same object or you're seeing uh, the framework of reality from a different angle. Hey, so you told a story that I heard, I think on, um, on, on Aeolus Cephas had a podcast for a while and you told a story and I would love for you to retell that because I think it'd be really relevant. But you told a story about, um, you framed it as a dream and you saw a alien and then there was a funny word that showed up as, as relevant to, to the, to the dream. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just a very vivid, uh, alien dream. You know, it, it, you know, it, it felt very real when it was happening. But it was a very classic sort of, you know, gray alien visitation kind of dream where you're lying on the bed, kind of paralyzed. I, I don't know if I was paralyzed. I don't remember trying to move or anything, but I was just lying on the bed. And this being was looking over me, and it was like a gray head, but uh, normal human body. It's muscular kind of body and I could only see the torso but uh, it was like a torso normal human torso but then with sort of from the neck just like a gray type head and it was giving me all these downloads and just so much information and stuff but I was like there's no way I'll remember this and the being said you don't need to worry about remembering this all you need to remember are the the next uh, four letters or something, or the next bit of information. That's all you'll need to remember. And if that's all you can remember, that's fine. So I was like, okay, well, I'll make a point of remembering that because there's no way I'm going to take all this other information back. And then just sort of like flashing over, like 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 I was watching a screen, like it was just a movie or something. It Like these flashes just came over the entire experience. It just said the word A.K.U.M or Akum. And this flashed like three times, and then I woke up, and I remembered that. And uh, yeah, that that was always stuck out for me as, you know, when a, a dream, certainly a dream, but not, but feels like it's more than a dream. Um, though I personally, you know, I don't really have a problem with dreams being, you know, facets of experience that are just as valuable and valid as the one I'm having right now. And then at the same time, I also don't get hung up on them anymore as more valuable. I think some people overemphasize the dream world. You know, for me, it's just another thing that arises in consciousness that is beautiful and uh, can have lots of valuable insight and material relevant to experience, as does the normal world, as does the dreamless state, as does everything. So it sort of just depends. Like I feel like I feel like if, again, if somebody is overemphasizing the dream, then <laughs> then I'll t tend to you know downplay it or contact or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, it is fascinating. It's fascinating, and, and just what you're saying there. One of the things I've done as I've immersed myself into this realm 
uh, talking to so many people with a direct experience, uh, the story you just told with, uh, and I've had more than one person say that, um, you know, had words spelled out like that with little dashes in between. And, uh, and then yeah. I've had people tell me that they have seen, you know, superimposed, you know, lettering, you know, bold, you know, white lettering on, on whatever the background is, just like yeah. a movie scene. So what you're saying is not at all, uh, Unique. out of the context yeah. of, of this strange yeah. thing. And, and, uh, what I've been uncovering, well, since I'm, I'm sort of, there's plenty of researchers who have said the same thing, but it certainly rings true is that whatever's going on in this UFO contact experience, uh, it doesn't, you know, the very simplistic mind frame, the pop culture way of viewing it is, is there's scientists on metal spaceships and they're visiting us and they're collecting data and they're doing scientific research and we can relate to that. I mean, in essence, it's us, right? I mean, that's what we do. We go into Yellowstone National Park and, and collect data on grizzly bears and we use helicopters and metal machines and fly in there so we can, we can wrap our minds around that, that, um, anthropomorphized uh, yeah. image of ourselves. But, but that, if you look at the, if you look at the data and don't, toss any of the odd, you know, outlying uh, data points out, uh, whatever's going on is significantly more bizarre. And, yeah. uh, and there is a, there's definitely a spiritual context to some of it, not all of it, but there's a, there's a profound spiritual context to some of it. And um, yeah, it's just so mystifying. So Yeah. And you know, the, the experience in, uh, in London that I was explaining earlier in the tent right after somebody had told me about galactic alignment for the first time and I went, went to bed and then this voice spoke to me in the tent uh, with the crop circles and all the context of being in these geodesic domes. When I was in those geodesic domes, there were these pillars. Unfortunately, I lost my photos from that, that, that time period. So, because I remember taking a photo of it, but I'd love to go back one day and try and make sense of the memory. But I, I just have this memory of words that were on these pillars that was inside the uh, the domes, the geodesic domes of all the plants at uh, the Eden Project. And the Eden Project, another reason why I wanted to go to the Eden Project is because it was opened in 2001 on my birthday. And we were talking about synchronicity and you know, your friend and my birthday and that kind of thing. So there was another thing that stuck out about the Eden Project was that, you know, it opened on my birthday, so it made me interested in, in going to see this uh, these geodesic domes. But then at the same time, in these geodesic domes, there were these pillars, and it had a word on it that, uh, you know, was very much like the word I was, you know, like the, the being that Crowley said he spoke to, that the book of the law was channeled through and stuff like that. And, you know, Crowley also... So other beings that very much people say are the original greys. Lamb. Certainly, you know, lamb and looks a lot like, uh, you know, what we generally depict them as nowadays. And I feel like people say that those are some of the earliest depictions of the greys, you know, or at least beings that are other that have these big heads. I'm not sure about that, but, and I really also gravitate towards the idea that, uh, you know, the ancient Egyptians, like Akhenaton and those guys, kind of, he had this thing about depicting himself with an elongated face, you know, and these almond-shaped eyes. So it seems like there's something about, you know, people who are going into mystical states, and you, it's not a stretch to think of the ancient pharaohs, you know, as, and their priests as people who are, you know, doing magical ceremonies just like Crowley would have been doing or, you know, and having contact with uh, beings that 
have these distorted sort of features and then depicting themselves like that or embedding that into their religion or whatever. And then the pharaoh is a depiction of God. So the idea of depicting yourself like the being you see on your ecstatic state quest, you know, or your maybe it was a drug trip. I don't know what it was, right? But that doesn't seem like a stretch, or at least there seems to be a connection there between divinity and these depictions of beings with these uh, these features, almond-shaped eyes and distorted things. But I just remember I was I was at the Eden Project and walked between these pillars, and the word I was was on them somehow. It was more like sync. You know, I'm talking about a word that very much resonated that, you know, in the context of the experience. It wasn't that particular word, but it was a word that made me think of that. And I just took for granted until reflecting on it later that that was the same day that I had this experience about the voice uh, in the tent. Like I was going through these pillars and then the word I was was there. And then this voice spoke to me in the evening. But again, I feel like it's like a mishmash of all the literature that I've been reading that I associate those kinds of experiences all coming together like Crowley and I was and <laughs> super intelligent computers from the future like Valis or alien contact or what, whatever, right? It was all like a mishmash of all those things coming together. So when I asked the voice, are you this? It's like, yes. And I remember asking him, are you Awas? He's like, yes. You know, like, <laughs> so like consciously putting that out there, the being said, yes, I'm all these things that you think I am and more and laughing at the idea of even asking it this these silly questions trying to you know put it into the context so that i can understand it um but what was interesting to that sort of connects back to uh where things are at it now was how the moment i got back to london from the visit to the eden project and the beach to check my email i had my first email from Jim Sanders um, and I had just mentioned to my friends in the Eden Project while we were picking the coca leaves about my this person that I know I hadn't met yet and I hadn't ever, ever spoke to before and I hadn't received any email from Jim Sanders who makes the documentary about coca the real thing and you're going to see a movie with him tonight and I'm going to see a movie with him tonight yeah what movie do you know we're going to go watch Tangled um, it's this new Disney film oh, Disney about animation thing, Rapunzel, Rapunzel. Yeah. Because we just recently made a, a sync video together uh, called Hairpiece, where we took a bunch of media, all it was all involving Patricia Arquette. So I kind of like watched every movie that she's in, and most of them, and found hair to be this pattern that comes out of her. I feel like any star, if you look at their work, you start to see that certain numbers associated to this star, certain animals associated to this star. And uh, Patricia Arquette, the thing that came out very strongly was hair. So I made this video about Patricia Arquette and her hair. And uh, so that was our most recent video. And then, you know, at the same time, there's this big Hollywood movie that's hair. You know, we were kind of going on about how hair is like the rabbit and hair is like being the hair to the throne and you know, all these other associations you can make to hair, sort of a mystical uh, interpretation of hair. So we just think the timing is perfect because we had just made this sync video 
about Patricia Charquette, and now there's this movie in the theaters about hair. So to me, it's like part of the drama is now to go watch hairpiece. But I mean, we're doing that all the time, like different things that we're interacting with and uh, uh, that kind of thing. But yeah, so, you know, the first communication I got from Jim Sanders was right after this experience in the tent. And then I'd always been wanting to do ayahuasca and been interested in that avenue. And I feel like being in the plants in the crop circles, which now I feel like is part of a plant consciousness thing as well. Um, that was part of the trigger and going to the Eden project, which is all about plants. That was again, part of the trigger. And then having this download communication talk or awakening of whatever that thing was in the tent with all this associated context, that's just part of the drama. And, uh, yeah. And it continues, you know, the story is ongoing and, uh, has all this, characteristics to it but it's very much to me has become about deepening one's experience with joy that seems to me the primary importance of uh, my journey is to uh, you know deepen my connection to the flow and I think there's different words for it but it's not really a, a concept because the moment you put it into words or thoughts you're kind of narrowing it down to a thing. And this is the thing that I'm trying to express is, you know, beyond all categories. So it's that thing that I keep trying to like invite into my life and everything is aimed at that. And I feel like just the particular peculiar context of my life drama has made it involve aliens and occult this and synchronicity that and whatever. And I think every human being has a different path that they walk to the same kind of like, you know, deepening your connection to the joy. And for me, it just involves this, you know, theatrics of sync and weirdness, you know, but for other people, I think it can be gardening and going to church, whatever, you know, if it's legitimate and it's about joy, it's, it's the path. And I think just, just for me, it just happens to be, this uh, synchronicity stuff and synchromysticism. Yeah, very much so. Well said. Hey, I just and uh, that sounds like a great place to to wrap this up. And uh, and I just want to thank you so much for for saying yes to this interview. And and I think it. Um, I know I got a lot out of it. You know, the stuff you're saying just resonates as very real and very true. Uh, there's no way for me to prove any of that, but it just that's just what I get in my gut. So thank yeah. you so much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. That went great. Hey, after Jake and I formally concluded the interview, we stayed on the line for a, a few more minutes, and I shared uh, a short, very curious synchronicity. Um, it jumps back and forth a little bit. It's told in two separate parts, because the, the first part was told at the beginning, uh, and then the second part, which I'll, which I'll uh, note, uh, took place at the end of our conversation. And... Uh, Anyway, I just thought it was interesting. Here we are talking about synchronicities. And, uh, man, stuff just boils up. Okay. That's <laughs> kind of a sync right there. Uh, yeah, and I also had a sync when we when I contacted you. And I had an interesting synchronicity, too, where I um, sent you an email. After I sent you the email, I got a phone call. And then I took the phone call. And on that phone call, um, 
uh, it, was a, it was a friend of mine from elementary school. She's planning to go to our 30th high school reunion. She was asking me some questions, and then and, uh, we have had some extremely bizarre synchronicities, her and I, uh, in, in just the last year or so. Um, I hadn't talked to her for 35 years. I'm 48, and uh, so I hadn't talked to her for about 35 years. So in the last year, it's been weird. It's been really interesting when we connect. And um, so I hung up with her. Then I went back to the to the email to check with you and your you had said yes so in the few minutes I was on the phone with her you had said yes to the interview and then uh, with the contact we had made was through Facebook and so I could see your birthday and I I don't want to say this was some sort of psychic hit but I knew what your birthday was and your birthday oh my cat is walking on the computer come on kitty <laughs> so I just have a new kitten in the house here so your birthday is uh, St. Patrick's Day Right. 1982. Right. And her birthday is St. Patrick's Day, 1962. Okay. Whatever that means. So, <laughs> so you're both Pisces. Yeah. Okay, that little snippet you just heard uh, took place before our formal interview, just when I first connected with Jake on Skype. Uh, I told that story. I thought it was interesting. And then uh, at the very end of the conversation, uh, after we had sort of said our formal goodbye, uh, we kept we just stayed on Skype and continued the conversation for a little bit longer. And, uh, and in order for this to make sense, you need to know that uh, uh, early in this recorded conversation, uh, Skype gave out. For some reason, we got disconnected. It, it just was one of those things. And click, we got uh, knocked off. Um, I just called him right back. That all got edited out, and um, so you don't really hear that, but that is relevant to the story. So here's the follow-up, and I found it very interesting. Yeah, this is now just here's one more synchronicity for you. Um, the woman that I talked about that shares the same birthday 20 years earlier. Yes. Uh, who I had the you know the biggest crush on. Uh, I'll, I'll link you. I'll send you a link to her story on my blog. You'll, you'll, I think you'll find it really pretty interesting given the what's gone down here. But um. When we got uh, interrupted the very first time, when we got interrupted, on the you know as we were recording, yes, you know all of a sudden click the thing went dead. It took you a minute to get back on because you were you were hooking up your headset, and yeah. it just went click. The audio went off on Skype, and at the same moment the phone rang, and it was her. Ah, uh, there you go. <laughs> and, and I and I have literally had I think in my in the last thirty five years I've had four phone conversations with her, and that was the fourth one. So, um, yeah, so strange. And, yeah, there must be, you know, some weird non-local connection, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, but, um, yeah, I'll send you a link to, to her story and, uh, and how we first connected after 36 years or something like that. So, good. Well, hey, uh, thanks again. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Here I am again. This is me just about to sign off. I just want to encourage anyone who wants to have some, uh, I don't know what to say, some playful mind expanding. Uh, I encourage you to dig through Jake's uh, videos. Uh, They're great. Um, If you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Bye now. (laughs) 